not just for podcasts, but you know, so we can also have you know, jam sessions. And, yeah. Oh wow! So, Is that that sessions. really? Your... We have a lot of musicians in the group. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I love I love jam jam yeah. rock and you know Mitch, I think love. all of that is a lie. That's I have a guitar. <laughs> you have a guitar. <laughs> that looks great in my room. Yes, it looks great right. sitting in my closet. <laughs> well, hello, welcome to the KAC podcast. Uh, I am here today uh, and it's part of a three-person group so I'm joined by Mitch Rucker our outreach specialist and our very special guest Amy Gottschamer. Gottschamer? Gottschamer. Yep. yep. Um, so tell us Amy a little bit about you. What What's your title? What do you do? Uh, well I am the owner and executive director for Google's of Learning Child Development Center in Lawrence. Anything else? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wear a lot of hats, um, okay. so I, I'm really just coming here today um, as a as a, a member of the early childhood education community. Um, but yes, I, I serve on various boards and sit on committees and um, do my best to be as involved um, more at a. a a high level where, where I have the opportunity to get involved in advocacy, to uh, to help with the um, advisory uh, council on the early childhood systems building in the state of Kansas. I, um, I sit on the board as a member at large for the uh, Kansas Association for the Education of Young Children, and I'm the president for the local chapter of KSAUIC. Um, in addition to owning my school, so I uh, like I say I'm involved in a lot of so lot you're of ways. just relaxed most of the yeah. time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what led you to kind of this path to getting involved in early childhood education? First and foremost, it was having children. Sure. <laughs> it was a bit of a winding yeah. road. I actually uh, had other degrees that were not in education, not in early childhood. Um, my bachelor's were in, in classics and philosophy, and then I got a master's in history with a, a specialization in nautical archaeology. My first career was actually in nautical archaeology. Um, wow. So <laughs> this was a, was a different thing. This is thing. A whole diff- becoming a whole different podcast. There you go. At this point. <laughs> there you go. Um, but then, you know, fast forward, get married and have some children, move to Kansas, because that was not my original place of birth and realizing that once I had done all of the things that stay-at-home moms get to do with their kids and take them to their music classes and gymnastics classes and things I found that there wasn't anywhere to go with them after those 45 minutes were over mm-hmm. <laughs> so and with Kansas's uh, extreme weather shall we say um, I was looking for something to do and so I decided to open an educational play place um, which we called Google's of fun back in the day and so that was sort of a walk-in edutainment center mm-hmm. where we had educational and uh, entertaining activities for kids and families and we did that for a number of years and at some point decided that we would like to try to take the educational aspect of it and make it more of a, um, a routine instead of just having the, the option for people to come in here and there and participate. We said, let's look at early childhood education. So we opened up a couple of classrooms within the original building and eventually decided to that the Google's a fun format, as much fun as it was, <laughs> was not uh, financially doable in the 
city of Lawrence. So um, we decided to shut that down, but we wanted to focus more on early childhood. And so that was where I really turned my focus. We moved to a new building and we just focused on, on uh, regular licensed care in, in our, our child care facilities. So um, went back to school, got another master's degree, this time in early childhood education. <laughs> um, actually also went and got an associate's in early childhood education, then went back and got the second master's. So wow. um, <laughs> I've done a lot of college over the years, a lot of a lot of work in, in early childhood, um, just trying to be the best I could be in this field. So um, we've now uh, have the over 100 children in our building, six classrooms. We have three full-time teachers in, in each classroom. And um, we're really working hard towards just continually raising the bar um, in terms of our, our formal education and our um, and best practice and learning wherever we can from whatever resources we have, uh, what sort of the new and emergence, emerging thoughts are on, on what, it, what best practice looks like. So that's what we're working on. Sure. National accreditation, things like that. Wow. Well, that sounds like a lot. Uh, and, you know, talking about your educational background before getting into uh, early childhood, that sounds um, a little bit different from what I think uh, has historically and sometimes commonly, you know, been thought of as, as babysitting. You know, it doesn't require, some, doesn't require a master's degree. So I think that kind of leads us into talking about the, the Power to the Profession initiative and, um, you know, the thought that, that early child education is education so if you want to expound on that. Absolutely. Uh, that is one of the uh, common uh, issues with early childhood is, is the misconception that all we do is babysit, that all we're mm -hmm. doing is changing diapers and playing all day. Um, when in fact if early childhood care and education is being done properly, <laughs> it, it is absolutely an educational experience for these children. 90% of their brains are developing before they ever get to kindergarten. Mm -hmm. Those are very formative, very important years and so what we do is that important. And so power to the profession is is a way of of unifying our our early childhood and I use the term profession loosely because we're really not there yet but we're trying to develop a, a, a more formal uh, profession in early childhood education across the nation and so that's what the National Association for the Education of Young Children is doing they are working with many other people it is it is not just a and I'll use the, ac the acronym the NACI uh, initiative but they have what they call their task force they have their stakeholders and then they have the field and everybody has input so the task force represent many different uh, early childhood organizations child care aware of course um, national education uh, or uh, associations for, for teachers, for special ed, for uh, Montessori, a whole variety of different the military education. Everybody has a seat at the table, uh, at least on the task force or the stakeholders committees. And when they're developing the power of the profession drafts and their, their policy statements, they're, they're saying, or their position statements, they're saying, okay, this is what we think it should look like. Everybody comes to agreement. Then they send it out to the stakeholders. They all get a chance to review it, send back their comments. Then it goes out to the field, which is everybody else. So the rest mm -hmm. of us have an opportunity to click on the link, read the, the, the position statement, and say, here's my thoughts, here's my feedback. So at the end of the day, the entire early childhood education uh, community, everybody has an opportunity to, to give their input and, and make it their own, to really feel like they have some ownership in what our profession is going to look like. Mm -hmm. Now, 
you, you, you're talking about this, and, and I'm imagining that there's probably some people that listen to this who, who might even know something about early childhood education or, or have been connected to the system in some way, maybe through kids of their own, and they say, well, this, this sounds great, but it also sounds like really challenging, too, and possibly like really expensive. To, to, to get this kind of uh, of level of expertise and such in, in the system. So, like, what are kind of the, the barriers there and what are the thoughts about how to overcome those? Sure. Well, absolutely, money is a barrier. It, it's just, it's a barrier for everybody, you know, starting with the children and families. The families cannot afford to pay more than what they already are in, in their the cost of their care and education for their children. And the teachers cannot afford to make less. So, yes, the funding has to come from somewhere. And, and so we do look to governmental agencies. We do look to the state and we do look to the federal government to help support this. But at the end of the day, any early childhood provider who goes out and gets formal education and really works to make sure that they're providing the best service possible to these children and families deserves to be fairly compensated. And part of the Power to the Profession initiative asks for, for pay parity. It says if you are a person that has gone and gotten a degree in early childhood education, you have a bachelor's degree, and you have the same number of years experience as a person in the school district with the same degree, you should be making the same amount of money. Why wouldn't somebody that teaches four-year-olds in a community-based center with a bachelor's degree not make the same amount as somebody teaching five-year-old kindergartners in a public school district, right? So that just makes sense. <laughs> what we have to do is, is change a lot of minds, make sure that people understand that what we do is important for the children. Um, part of it, though, is making sure that we, if we ask for those kinds of um, supports and for that kind of funding, that that we are are rising to that level, right? We we have to make sure that our people are going out and, and getting the education that they need, that they are um, abiding by the, our, our NACI code of ethics, that they are acquiring and mastering the same competencies. Uh, all of those things have to be in place. You have to be held accountable for what you do, but at the same time, then the federal and the state governments have to help support. They not only have to say help provide funding but they have to support all of the infrastructure too, right? They have to make sure that the higher ed uh, piece of it, that those uh, professors and those colleges are able to support our uh, workforce, make sure that they get the, the information that they need, that they're taught and, and given the same level of mastery of competencies. Um, so they need that support coming from the federal government too. There needs to be legislation in place to make sure that those things happen. So um, it's really a, a whole support system, a whole ecosystem, mm -hmm. if you will, where everybody is working together to make this happen. Well, it's so strange, isn't it, that we think when we talk about K through 12 education, there's no shortage of ways that we talk about regulating that and about qualifications for that and, and everything. But then when you talk about the education that's provided for like the two or three years before that or whatever, it becomes a whole different ballgame somehow magically. Mm-hmm. 
Right. right. Well, and it and it is. And it shouldn't be. It, it is, shouldn't I guess, be. Is the point. <laughs> Absolutely, it shouldn't be. And it, it is a long road. This is nothing that's going to happen overnight. This is a, a vision of our future, right? And and it could take decades, on, honestly, to to pull all of this together. I know there's concern about uh, what are the home providers going to do. There are many many home providers out there providing act, you know high quality care and education to children. And in fact, um, I, I believe somewhere around 50% of, of the children in care in the state of Kansas are in homes. So, but those people also don't always, they do, but they don't always have any real, the formal education, the higher ed education. And so they are concerned that, you know, they've been in this field for 20 years mm-hmm. and they they don't have a formal degree, but they they are working very hard at what they're doing. And so they don't want to be left out. And, and um, the Power to the Profession initiative does not want to leave them out. They are looking for ways to to help them align, to help get them um, to where they need to be as well. So um, it, it's not something that's going to say we're, we're just leaving these people out. It, we're, they're working to make sure that it's very inclusive. Yeah, and I think it's important that we certainly don't uh uh, we know that there's a child care shortage, um, <laughs> that, that uh, you know, we need need kind of all the care access to care that we uh, can get um, within, uh, you know, the, the qualified and licensed care. Well, and like you say, realm. there's definitely the issue of, of uh, accessibility mm-hmm. as well as affordability. But at the end of the day, know that the, the Power to the Profession initiative is about providing the best outcomes for children and families. And the way that you get to that point, and, and I, I like to, to think of uh, my six-word why, <laughs> is, is that, that quality, quality education comes from quality educators. Right. So you really have to support that workforce. If you want high-quality care and education, you have to have high-quality educators. And so that, that will take the support and resources of a lot of different people and agencies. Absolutely. And did there used to be programs in place that, that helped uh, early childhood educators uh, achieve higher levels of, of training and education? Um, in terms of uh, funding them, mm-hmm. support, yes, financial supports. We, we have had different opportunities, and there's still, here and there, you'll find a scholarship or a grant, some kind of thing. Um, there was, through Child Care Aware, they had uh, the uh, program called Teach and another one called Wages. One supported people that were going to further their education in early childhood to, to get formal education. That helped give them educational stipends. Another provided people that had accomplished their degrees and their credentials but and, and remained in the field. Of course, you know, right. the, one other issue being that people get to a certain point and they say, I can't afford to work at this job anymore, and they right. leave. So that was giving them an additional a bump in their compensation by giving them that extra money for staying in the field. So, um, yes, those can, kinds of things have happened in the past, but we've had different governments, <laughs> people in charge that sought to do away with that. So it would be great if those kinds of things could come back and maybe somebody's got a better idea. But, but yes, those kinds of things have existed in the past and, and we're, we're welcomed and appreciated. Yeah. So... Uh, here in, within the legislative session, we've seen some discussion um, about child care licensing. Now, obviously, it is a requirement in Kansas at this point, if you're a ch- early, an early childhood educator, child care provider, to have a license. However, there was a bill kind of talking about enforcement of that and yes. possibly a civil fine and the like. Um, beyond that, like, what's your take on 
childcare licensing and, and standards? You know, what do you think, what kind of role do you think the state has to play there? I, I think it's not really any different or shouldn't be really any different than what we have with the, the K through 12. You know, there are certain um, standards, there's certain uh, objectives that the teachers look for that they're trying to make sure that the, the children have uh, mastered certain skills. And, and, and it's the same thing in early childhood. We have a, a continuums of development and we see where children should be at a certain point and when they're two, we say, okay, a typically developing child we should be able to do these things. And so we're going to start working on the next group of things and start teaching them these things so um, that we're moving them up and they have the, the skills necessary to be ready for kindergarten when it's time to go. Um, so I, I think those kinds of things, there is the the Kansas Early Learning uh, Standards are a document that does exist and uh, some places do use that and, and there isn't a uh, isn't a reason not to, to, to follow along with those and, and it's still you have to teach to the individual child and you have to make adjustments. Some children are, are they're going to be in differing places like you would with anybody but, but to, to be intentional about your lesson planning, to do your observations and documentations and make sure that you aren't um, failing to move the children forward every day there's an opportunity to move them forward in some way so just making sure that that every day is is meaningful and, and well-intentioned sure well and what are some of those the skills that uh, you're helping to impart to the the kids before they hit kindergarten sure well you know of course everybody and uh, well I should say maybe more importantly the families are concerned are they going to be ready for kindergarten right do they know their ABCs can they count to 10 20 100 um, and we, we, of course, will do those things. We, we will work on, on, on literacy and language, and we will work on mathematics. Um, one of the key things that, that we really focus on at my school, at Google's, is that um, social-emotional skills are huge. Social-emotional skills are just foundational for not even this age group, but for life, right? <laughs> we have to learn how to self-regulate our bodies. We have to know that, yes, you can be angry about something, but you may not throw a block at someone's head. You <laughs> You know, you have to know how to resolve conflicts with others. Mm -hmm. We have to learn how to share and take turns. You know, because once they're in a group environment, once they're with all of these other children, they are not ever going to be out of that, right? It's going to be the same all through K through 12. They're going to go into the workforce. They're going to work with others. They were continually going to have to manage their social and emotional skills. So uh, we really think that that is a really foundational skill. So for our kiddos, uh, we want to make sure that that they can attend, that they can listen to the teacher, that they can control their bodies and, and all of those kinds of things that until you're, say, maybe a kindergarten teacher and you have 25 little ones rolling around on the carpet right. <laughs> um, that um, you, you appreciate uh -huh. <laughs> at that point. So, but, the, but the big point is that it, when they're able to control those kinds of impulses and, and, and regulate themselves and that type of thing, that they're then better ready to get down to the business of learning so that all of the academic teaching that's then going to start get uh, coming down, uh, they'll be much more receptive to it and much better able to to, to just soak it all in. Absolutely. So kind of wrapping up a little bit here, um, I know you touched on this earlier, but let's, let's look 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road. You know, how do you hope that the early childhood education landscape in Kansas will change? What do you, what do you hope to see? Me personally or the Power to the Profession Initiative? Well, let's go with 
Let's go with you personally first, and then maybe okay. the, the <laughs> well, initiative second. Yeah, I, I think that a lot of this is going to be a hard sell, and so I don't know how soon this can actually be made reality. 10 years, 20 years maybe. 10 years I think might be soon. <laughs> but I would sure like to see that we do raise the bar on educational requirements. Any profession, if you go to, to be, being a doctor, a lawyer, a real estate agent, you have to take formal coursework. You have a, an entrance exam. You have continuing education requirements, things like that. And so we need to have all of those things too if we're going to be a profession. So uh, I think we really need to make sure that everybody uh, at least has the minimum entry-level uh, education, which uh, according to the power of the profession would be 120 hours of, of education, which looks like what they call the Child Development Associate uh, credential. So if everybody had that going in, I think that would be a positive step. I think if we could do some really great promotion and advertising of the importance of early childhood so that our communities, our, our state, and our national landscape, if they all understand how important this work is, then we would have that support. We could get the legislation we need in place. We'd have some more funding. And then hopefully that, that the, the supports for the further education comes along, the higher compensation, and not just the wage, but the benefit package. Mm -hmm. You know, how hard is it to go to work every day and, and worried because you can't go you know, get your cold taken care of or your bronchitis, your root canal, because you can't afford health care and you right. have to go to work every day and make maybe ten dollars an hour and mm -hmm. and and that's a good wage for early childhood. There are many out there that are only making seven twenty five an hour minimum wage, no benefits, no health care, no retirement. And yet the early childhood workforce supports every other workforce, right? Mm -hmm. Right. All of the other people in not just Kansas, anywhere, when they go to school and they or go to work, they take their children to their child care provider, their preschool, and our workforce takes care of them. Mm -hmm. So to have more understanding maybe in 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 the commerce sector, in business, that they're getting their great employees because our employees are there for them. Mm -hmm. And a little more respect would be amazing. <laughs> a little more respect <laughs> would go a long way. We are not just babysitters. Absolutely. And uh, it, it, I just think that the more people understood about that, the more support we would get in general, which I hope would filter down to help move the whole profession forward towards the vision that, that Power to the Profession has. Okay. Well, Amy, thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming in. I'm it's happy to great. be here. Thank Always you for having me. Well, thanks so much for listening. Amy did want to let you know that she was speaking uh, on her own behalf as an early childhood professional and not as a representative of any organization. But if you are interested in learning about the Power to the Profession initiative, you can go to their website at www.naeyc.com profession. And hey, if you want to hear more about the KAC podcast, uh, get caught up on some of our past episodes or keep a watch for some of our future ones, you can go to kac.org uh, on our podcasts page there, or you can uh, sign up for episodes through iTunes or through Stitcher. Uh, again, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you the next time.